back into our Roman study next week, so today's just a little bit different. So, obviously, as you can tell as you walk into the church, the theme this week was camping. So, what I did was, is I got online and started looking up all the different words for camping and tents in the Bible, and just kind of saying, like, Lord, where are you going to go with this? And I started start thinking about camping and, and tents. You know, to me, camping really is a very divisive subject. Some people absolutely love the concept of camping, and some of you absolutely hate the concept of camping. First camping story for Dawn and I, when we first got married to celebrate our one-year anniversary, we decided to go camping, and it was tent camping. So as we're going tent camping, there happens to be that night a severe thunderstorm warning and tornado warning. So we spent the night in the laundry room reading Old Reader's Digest, and that was our first idea of camping. Now, we started camping more after that, and we got a little bit spoiled because Jerry and Tam, uh, my in-laws, had a fifth wheel. And the fifth wheel, that was camping. I liked that. It had air conditioning, it had a television, it had an oven, a microwave, and a queen-size bed. I will camp every night that way. Found out that my wife does not consider that camping. So we ended up getting a pop-up. Pop-ups are the stupidest idea ever. You, you, you <laughs> take this little box with you, and then you crank it up and down and... So we did that, and we've gone through many different camping things. So I've come to the conclusion now that I have a love-hate relationship with camping. I love the fact that my boys and my wife love camping. I just hate it. You know, when we go camping now, we go and we get these little cabins with the canvas side. They're called yurts. They have two little bunk beds, and I cannot stress to you enough how small they are. So there's all seven of us sleeping in there. You're, You're walking 100 yards to the bathroom. I have five kids. You realize how many times you're walking to and from the restroom. So my, my point is, camping is not necessary for everybody, but for some of you that you hear this idea of camping and this idea of being in a tent outside under the stars, just like, oh, that's exactly what I want. That's what I love. For some of you, the idea of camping is spending a night in a hotel. It's like, okay, I can camp that way. But it's interesting, when you look up this idea of camping and tents in the Bibles, especially in the New Testament, this idea of tent carries a much different significance. And look here at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, some of your translations may say this tabernacle is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 2. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but furthered that the mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we're always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. What a great description of our life. Your body, my body, is a tent. A tent. A temporary residence. Never intended to be lived in forever. And that's how Paul is describing the body we have. We live in these tents, these temporary residences, just knowing that there's something bigger and better for us down the road. And just like when you go camping, it can be fun. It can be fun on this earth in the sense of, wow, Lord, I can enjoy the blessings you've given me, the blessings of my family, the blessings of serving you, the blessings of just enjoying your creation. There is a joy in that. But just like when you go camping, at least for me, usually after one night, I start thinking, I got a really nice bed at home. 
I have a couch. I have a refrigerator. I have a bathroom in my house. And my camping in a tent starts yearning for my house. There comes a time on this earth where us in these tents, we start yearning for something better. And we want that. Because think about this. Look what Paul is saying here. Now, tents, he calls it temporary. Then, in the future, we have an eternal body waiting for us. Now, we groan. We're burdened. Then, there's a heavenly dwelling. The purpose of this tent, this body, is supposed to remind us of our mortality. We start hurting. We physically hurt. We start mentally struggling with things. There's despair. There's discouragement. There's depression. There's pain. We don't want to live like this forever. This is not the body I want to have for all of eternity. This is not the mind I want to have for all of eternity. I want that perfect body, that glorified body, that mansion, as Jesus mentioned in John 14, waiting for us. This tent reminds us of our mortality. Once again, look what Paul says here in verse 2. We groan in this. Verse 4, we groan, we are burdened. Does that not describe life? We groan, we're burdened. This is difficult. Go with me to Psalm 55, please. Psalm 55. This world is difficult. This world has trials. This world has tribulations. This world has a groaning. It has a burden being under the curse. We groan for that to be lifted off of us. Look here at Psalm 55, what David wrote, starting in verse 1. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me. I am restless in my complaint and moan noisily because of the voice of the enemy because of the oppression of the wicked for they bring down trouble upon me and in wrath they hate me my heart is severely pained within me and the terrors of death have fallen upon me fearfulness and trembling have come upon me and horror has overwhelmed me so i said oh that i had wings like a dove i would fly away and be at rest indeed i would wander far off and remain in the wilderness sila stop pause think about it that's what that means I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Boy, doesn't that describe moments of your life? Verse 2, you're restless in your complaint. You're moaning noisily. There's wickedness, there's oppression, there's trouble. Verse 4, my heart is pained. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. There's fearfulness, there's trembling, there's horror. Our response, verse 6 and 7, I just want to fly away. That's what Paul's talking about, is this desiring for this tent to be done. Desiring for this this to be done and say, Lord, I know there's something better for me. And I look forward to that because this struggle of this moaning and this groaning of life can be so difficult sometimes. And the purpose, once again, of this tent is to remind us of our mortality. Stay in Psalms. Just go back to the left a little bit. Psalm 39, please. Psalm 39. Since I live in this tent and I see the physical struggles that I go through, I see the physical struggles that everybody else goes through, I I, I see the, the mental struggles that we battle with, I see the sin struggles, it just reminds me really of this just life. And this is what Psalms are trying to tell us here. Look at Psalm 39 verse 4. Lord, make me to know my end 
And what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am? Indeed, you have made my days as handbreadths, and my age as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is but a vapor. Selah. Stop. Think about it. You know, when I was coming into the 830 service this morning, it was pretty bad out there fog-wise. Okay, look outside now. Our life is just but a vapor. James 4 calls us a morning fog that appears for a little bit then disappears. Just as that fog was a nuisance, a trouble, a burden this morning, a few hours later, it's like it never even happened. Our life right now is just but a vapor. Verse 6, surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. And now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. See, my life, my life is really nothing before the Lord. In the sense of verse 5, my age is as nothing before you. Teach me to measure my days. Lord, help me to know my end, verse 4. Help me to think about the end. Now, think about what we're teaching here this morning. We're taking a break from Romans. We're doing a topical intense. We have people visiting. We have family members that may normally not come, etc. I don't know where everybody stands with the Lord. And the message we decided to do today is about everybody dying. How's that for a real pick-me-up? That's a real kicker to the end of VBS, isn't it? Hey, guys, you're a tent. You're going to die. Amen. Love you. I'll see you next week. The point is, though, God is trying to say, I'm reminding you of this. Let me know the end of my days. Help me to measure my days to realize this time I have on earth is really relatively small. So, Lord, how can I use this time for you? What, Lord, can I do for you? Stay in Psalms and go to Psalm 90, please. One more passage about this. Psalm 90. Paul says we live in a tent, a temporary body. We have an eternal one waiting for us. We're grieved, we're burdened in this, but we have a heavenly dwelling waiting for us. The tent reminds us of our mortality. Psalm 39, teach me to know my end. Look at Psalm 90, verse 9. For all of our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. We finish our years like a sigh. Some translations say a groan, a moan. The days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength, they are 80 years. Yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for soon it is cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Wow, look at verse 12. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Lord, teach us to realize there is an end to this earthly life. And with an end to this earthly life, what are we going to do then, Lord, with the time you have blessed us with to be a light and a witness for you? Verse 10, our lives are about 70 years, maybe by strength 80. I had somebody tell me one time, life was pretty good up until about 70. After 70, the body really started falling apart. Now just think about this. I've made this joke many times before, and you guys always come up to me afterwards and say, oh, that's not true. Just think about this. If God says you have about 70 years, middle-aged is what? 35. Most of us are on the downhill right now. I'm just telling you that right now. Now, we don't like to think that way, do we? When we think of middle-aged, oh, he's a middle-aged man. Oh, probably 45, early 50s. No, you're pretty close to the end then, buddy. I'm just telling you right now. God says, teach us to number our days. God says, know the end. Now, when you hear this point, it can really do one of three things. 
One is the proverbial head in the sand. I was not even going to deal with death. I don't want to talk about death. I don't even talk about the end. Okay. Number two, it leads you to despair, to discouragement, to midlife crisis. I haven't done anything with my life. How woe is me? My life is pointless. No, let's not go that route. Let's just do what the scripture says. Lord, teach me to number my days, that it gains me a heart of wisdom. Lord, let me know my end. Remind me that I'm in a tent, but also remind me of the future of this. Go back to 2 Corinthians 5 now. See, we're focusing on this first point, that this tent, it's temporary, it's going to end. Okay, but there's something also better coming. Look at verse 4 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For we who are in this tent grown, that's us, burdened, that's us, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life. See, I, I want more. I'm moaning and I'm burdened because I look at this world and I see sin. I see people rejecting Jesus. I see the world falling apart and it hurts. I see loved ones making poor choices. I see myself making poor choices. Oh, Lord, swallow up my mortality with life. Verse 5. Now he who is prepared for us this very thing is God who has also given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Think about that. God has so guaranteed my eternal dwelling, He's given me the Holy Spirit as a guarantee for that. Think about this. We are a tent, a temporary dwelling, that only lasts for decades on this earth. Through Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our sins can be dealt with, Because there's a holy, righteous God up in heaven who loves us dearly. But part of his holiness and righteousness is he cannot bear to look upon sin. We cannot on our own go to him and say, Lord, my good works get me in. We cannot go to him on our own and say, Lord, I'm a good guy. Let me in. I need his righteousness. So Jesus died on the cross, paid the debt I could not pay, gave me his righteousness. And now my mortality, my, my limit of being a man, is now swallowed up in eternal life. And God says, James, this thing is so true. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of what this is. God himself lives inside of us as believers in the form of the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. Now, the flip side to that is this. If you're here today and you're not saved, if you don't know where you're going, you don't have that guarantee of the Holy Spirit. You are a tent that is going to be destroyed. And you have no life to swallow you up. There is a hell. And this is why it's so important to understand we know where we're going as believers. Look at verse 6. So we are always confident, always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. So I am at home in this body. And as long as I'm in this tent, I really can't have the real relationship with God that I want because he's in heaven, I'm on this earth. But I walk by faith, not by sight. Verse 8, we are confident, yes, well, please, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. There comes a time where the Lord says, okay, James, forget the tent. You're done camping. Come home. And what a joy that is. Is there joy in camping? Oh, of course there is. We've said that many times. There's some joy. There's some fun. There is a blessing of enjoying God's creation, being with friends and family and fellowship. But ultimately, there's a burden and a groaning in this world that we say, Lord, I don't want to live forever on this world. I don't want to live forever in this body. I am ready to get rid of the tent. So we know this. We hear this. Why is it that sometimes it just seems like we forget this then? Sometimes it seems like our society, the closer we get to the finish line, 
the more we start to slow down. Paul said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. If we look at our Christian walk as a, as a race, and it's not a race of competition against each other, and I see the finish line, sometimes as believers we get close to the end and it's like, I don't know if I really want to finish, I'm just going to stop. That's the finish line. This is what you've trained for all your life. This is what you've been running for. Is that finish line? Yeah, I don't think so. It seems like sometimes the closer we get to eternity, the more we lose focus on eternity. We start to invest more into our tent than to our eternal home. We try to enjoy our tents more the closer we get to our mansion. You ever notice that? We try to enjoy our tents the closer we get to our mansion. Where if anything, the closer we get to our mansion, it should be like, man, this tent, it was fun. There's something better right over there. And it's a mental mindset to say, Lord, I'm not here to keep this tent forever. I'm here to use this tent temporarily for your purposes with the goal that's waiting later on. So what do I do with this then? Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Corinthians 5, Paul is teaching us the point that we live in a temporary body, a tent that will be destroyed. It will be cast off. In faith, we know and trust that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us for those that have accepted Christ. And so therefore, we have faith that there's something better. We moan and groan in this tent. This tent reminds us of our mortality. Psalm 39, Psalm 90. Teach us, remind us that we have an end to our life. Let's try not to enjoy our tents the closer we get to our mansions, but realize, Lord, there's a bigger picture out there. There's nothing wrong with being blessed in this life and enjoying what God has given us. But there's always in the back of our minds, we're just camping. So what are we supposed to do? Verse 12, 2 Peter chapter 1. For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things that you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. Peter uses the same idea here, that this is just a tent. He's going to cast off this tent. He's going to put it off, and he's going to be with Christ. So what does he say he's going to do in the remainder of the time in his tent? Look at the repetition here. My new King James, verse 12. He's going to remind you always. Verse 13, he's going to be reminding you. Verse 15, he's going to have a reminder. Guys, that's what we do. That's what we do as believers. Is that for those that are saved, we just constantly encourage them and remind them of the truth of Jesus Christ. For those that aren't saved, we want to remind them of the truth of Jesus Christ. That's what we do. For you that may have a generation or two or maybe even three below you, as you get closer to your mansion, what is Peter telling you to do? Remind the generations below you of Jesus Christ. Remind the generations below you of the truth, as he used that word. For us, that we may have a little bit while longer yet till we get to our mansions, what are we supposed to be doing? Reminding people of the truth of Jesus Christ. Reminding people of just the truth. See, I, we never know when our tent is going to be cast off. This could be the last message that we have together. I don't know what's going to happen this week to you. I don't know what's going to happen this week to me. Something may happen. I I may be gone this week. I may be home. So I'm called to remind. One of the things I always tell my boys is this. Guys, I'm not going to be with you forever. 
Since I'm not going to be with you if you ever... I want to ingrain these things into you to remind you because there's going to be a time where I'm not going to be around you and you're going to have to make a good, solid, godly, biblical choice on your own through the Spirit. So let me remind you of the truth. Guys, I'm not going to be with you as an adult all your life. Let me remind you what it means to be a loving husband, a loving father, to love your wife as Christ, love the church. Let me remind you of these things constantly now so that way when you're out on your own, you will hopefully have a reminder of these things and choose to live it. See, now, that brings me a sense of peace and hope, but it also brings me a sense of, yeah, but what happens if they forget? Because how many times as parents or grandparents you've said the same things to your kids? We're in a phase right now at the Irvin household where every 30 seconds we're saying, stop, go back, and walk. They just, they're running from point A to stop, go back, and walk. I don't know how many times that Dawn says that a day. Or how many times do we say, whose shoes are by the door? Put the shoes away. If we're stopping. Don't open the door, mosquitoes are coming in. Actually, what we do at home now is I give my kids badges and awards. For every mosquito they kill in the house, they get a reward. It's just, there's so many mosquitoes all over the place. It's just this constant reminder. And you know they've heard it. But what's going on, right? Well, I hope this reassures you. Our last passage. Go to John 14, please. Verse 